I'm Kim Schmidt, and welcome to this episode of our 2021 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. In today's podcast, we talk with three members of Hudson East Integrated Solutions team about how they're mainstreaming precision through their intern program. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you'll be able to get alerts when upcoming episodes in the series are released. Finding good, qualified employees is an ongoing struggle for businesses of all types, and especially precision departments at farm equipment dealers. As technology continues to evolve, the challenge only increases. As Hudson Inc. looks at how to mainstream precision throughout its whole dealership, and John Deere continues to move toward being a technology company, not just an ag equipment company, Hudson Inc. is trying to grow their dealership into being a technology company too. And to get there, they recognize that they'll need to attract individuals from outside of agriculture to work at their dealership. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we have three members of Hudson Inc.'s Precision Department, with two of them being part of the internship program the dealership has developed and evolved to help with the process of mainstreaming precision throughout the dealership. Included in the conversation are Carl Hubner, Integrated Solutions Manager for Hudson Inc., now a 30-store John Deere dealership based in Kentucky, and Andrew McAllister and Connor Smith, both interns with Hudson Inc., who found their way to the dealership outside of growing up in agriculture. Kim, thank you for the opportunity. We definitely look forward to showing you kind of what, what we're trying to create with interns and how we're stacking interns underneath our product specialist and how at the, what was interns, I believe uh, Andrew and uh, Connor both graduated. Andrew is actually pursuing your master's. Am I right in that, Andrew? Uh, and so they both come from very different backgrounds and things like that. And not either one of them, neither one of them is affiliated with ag or anything like that. Okay. We, had a, we had a couple others that, uh, didn't necessarily want to be a part, but they appreciated the opportunity. Uh, but we're that's kind of our model is we're, we're stacking them underneath product specialists, uh, letting them get a solid year at least with that product specialist. And then from there, uh, we're going to turn them loose uh, in the in the sales or aftermarket part of the world to let them uh, be a, an employee that's very vetted, an employee that uh, it's kind of as John Deere becomes a technology company, we're trying to figure out how to become a technology company as well. And this is kind okay. of the best way we're figuring out how to do it. I guess to start, Connor and Andrew, you can decide who goes first, but do you want to just introduce yourself? Tell me a little bit about where you came from, what you were doing as an intern, you know, what your role is there and what you're doing now. So, Kim, my name's Connor Smith. Um, I'm originally from Western Kentucky, um, and I graduated, uh, like I told you, uh, in December from the University of Kentucky. Like Carl said, I was never part of a farm, but I was always, uh, you know, around them. Um, a bunch of my friends were farmers, so I'd always hang around their shops. That kind of got me interested in the ag. So I graduated with an agriculture economics degree. And then, you know, not many places offer a position or a, a, an internship like the one I'm in now. Um, and, and this is what intrigued me to pursue this internship quite heavily is the fact that I thought it would help me as a person to know everything possible to be successful. And from what I'm learning now is, is exactly that. It's helping me learn from the ground up, from all the problems. You know, like I just said, I've been out in the field most of the time, so I've seen these problems in the real world, but now I'm getting down to the nitty gritty of what exactly causes those problems and how they can be fixed a multitude of ways. So I think that will definitely benefit me on down the line to, you know, help a customer out so they don't have to go through having to call a tech. And then, you know, if that tech's busy having to wait, I can just kind of expedite the process, if you will. 
mm-hmm. just help them out and get them up and running as soon as possible. So I think it's very a very great idea and a, a great thing with what Hudson is doing um, and, and training us under product specialists and then releasing us out into the sales force. And how about you, Andrew? Yeah, just to piggyback kind of what off of Connor said, I graduated from Middle Tennessee last year um, as a certified athletic trainer. So kind of all in the all in the medical field until now. Um, I've always had an interest in ag. Just wasn't around it enough to really know any any options uh, in ag other than being a farmer. And I knew, you know, being a farmer these days without being a, having a family in it or a kind of a, a gateway into it, it's kind of impossible to start on your own. So uh, going through the medical field, I uh, just really, really wasn't into it. Um, wanted to do ag and there's really not many opportunities around to uh, get into ag if you don't have any experience at all. Um, luckily, you know, Hudson has this uh, nice model where they're trying to find people with um, similar experiences um, outside of ag that could excel um, once they start learning ag. Um, so that's kind of what brought me here finally. I've been under uh, John Perkins, who's a product specialist here, kind of teaching me the rope. I haven't been here quite as long as Connor. I'm right out of a month now, okay. um, but I've been kind of thrown into the fire, you know, uh, going into the field with John and learning everything I can. And it's, it's been a great experience. So how did you find your way to Hudson? Was it through outreach that, that Hudson was doing you see, or just seeing, you know, job listing or, you know, how did you from a totally unrelated field? Yeah. So, uh, me personally, um, trying to get into the ag field, I'm actually doing a master's in ag at okay. uh, Murray state. Um, I forget exactly who, but someone from Hudson had reached out to the Hudson School of Ag at Murray State and kind of sent out an email um, to all of the graduate students and undergrad students saying, hey, this is kind of the program we're starting. Um, Here's the the job listing and some more um, info on it. If you're at all interested, get in contact um, with with us and we'll see what we can do to give you more info and see where it goes from there. So I reached out and here I am. <laughs> okay. So you had already made the decision to get into this master's ag program before you went. Correct. It wasn't yep. totally out of the blue. It wasn't out of the blue completely. No. <laughs> um, and then Carl, did you, could you maybe just kind of explain a little bit about how, um, I mean, you touched on a little bit with talking about putting them with the product managers, but kind of how you've structured even either the outreach in trying to find people outside of ag um, and then kind of what the, the program itself looks like. Yeah, I think our the role of our product specialist is, is to help people succeed, uh, whether they're in aftermarket or whether they're in whole goods. You know, it, that, that doesn't really matter much for us. So good people find a way to win. And uh, resourceful people are going to learn as they go. And I think that's, um, that's a, a lot of what that role does. And so uh, stacking somebody underneath them that can uh, learn from somebody that's incredibly skilled within their role uh, we've kind of got away from an apprenticeship style model in okay. this business, and it feels like maybe in some ways uh, that was a mistake, and it's time to get back to some of that, especially when uh, there's incredibly qualified, incredibly, uh, you know, uh, you know, good people in other, <clears throat> other industries and other roles that um, I think it's no different than what Andrew said. You know, I thought being involved with ag, and I was a farmer, right? <laughs> and, um, but, when you, but when you look at uh, the amount of candidates that are out there, um, I guess a cleaner way to say it is like this, that the pool of candidates that we're selecting from, fewer and fewer of them are from the family farm mm-hmm. or have any real experience. They may be like Connor where 
they might have been raised near a cornfield or knew somebody uh, who knew somebody who did something like that. Uh, but them directly being involved with it or being in a cab or anything like that, they just never really had that experience. And so we've got to fast track that knowledge into them uh, so they can support people that do that for a living. And uh, there's no, to me, there's no cleaner way than to stack them underneath a product specialist that does that for their, uh, their bread and butter day job. And, uh, and they get to learn from the best of the best of what we have to offer. And then whenever we feel like they're able to um, support on a basic level uh, and they're able to um, have a good customer interface, uh, then we're going to turn them loose into the organization and uh, let them become our, our future leaders. So you have it arranged more like an apprenticeship program? 100% accurate, 100% accurate. These, uh, these two here, they just happen to be on the very tail end of their college education. Okay. Uh, and so we just went ahead and picked them up uh, due to their work ethic and things like that. Uh, and uh, of course, Andrew went ahead and decided to go ahead and go back and get his master's. Um, so, um, but you know, it, it gives us a time to vet them and make sure that, you know, you know, I always tell them that we always pursue the, you know, the marriage of agronomy and equipment, right? And excellence in the field is, is what we're always after. And that requires a type of person that, you know, um, is willing to be resourceful and do things that other people may not be willing to do. Work hours that sometimes people may not be willing to do. And let's just be honest, some of these careers aren't for everybody. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not uh, a typical nine to five type job, although we try to balance as much work home life balance as we possibly can. We're getting um, and we're getting to a better place the more mainstreaming we do uh, and, and the more product knowledge we have in the organization and I think this is a, a prime example of you know just how we're trying to layer that product knowledge in and turn it loose to the rest of the departments um, so yeah it's a it's a slow process that we're trying to build in the organization um, and, and we're kind of starting here and I think this kind of shows the shows some diversity of kind of what we've got Okay, so we have Connor and Andrew with us. How many students apprentices do you guys have currently or at any given time? Yeah, there's six currently. They come from colleges all across the U.S. and, and in, in a, a lot of different roles. Um, and then Connor and Andrew, what's, can you kind of share a little bit about what your experience has been like working, you know, directly alongside with someone to kind of learn what they're doing, learn both the job and the industry? Well, for example, what Carl just said, you know, trying to balance work and, and family life. That's one thing that I've learned and has really stood out to me is John Deere is coming out with all this great technology. Um, and what I'm learning from my product specialist and I'm under his name is Gabe. He knows it so well that he can just kind of walk you through what your problems are over the phone. And, and, and I mean, that is just knowing what John Deere has to offer. I mean, they're here to make life easier. You just have to know, you know, how to use it. So work hard or work smarter, not harder. Um, and, and another thing I've learned is just to don't be scared to ask questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, you know, like I said, I don't really have a big background in this, this field. Uh, and that's one thing that I've been encouraged to do and have gotten a lot more comfortable with is, you know, asking questions and, if you don't know something, ask. If you know it halfway, ask. If you know it, but you think there's a little bit more, ask if there's anything more. Um, and that's the big thing. And, you know, also just how to just deal with people from all walks of life. I mean, not one far, not two farmers are the same. So, you know, just being able to talk to people and being relatable and, and having their best interests in mind rather than your own is, is a big thing that I've learned here at Hudson. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, working under a, uh 
John Perkins has been amazing, not just to learn, you know, the job, but just kind of learn the culture of agriculture, you know, understanding a big thing is just the jargon that they use. You know, they're saying maybe a string of six numbers and he automatically says, oh, that's, you know, that's a fertilizer. That's a pesticide or, you know, that's one of the model tractors we have. That's that's a huge thing for me. Um, but not just, you know, working under John uh, Hudson here is really a I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's it's really a family environment. Jobs I've been at in the past, you know, Carl being the vice president of Precision Ag, you know, at other places, vice presidents don't even know your name. Or, you know, if you walk them in the hallway, um, they wouldn't have a clue who you are. Um, so just being able to walk in the hallway and, you know, being able to be known who I am and have a, have a role to play has been huge. And it feels, uh, it feels like I really have a, a presence here and a, a purpose and actually uh, can contribute to the whole which has been big. How long someone is in the intern apprentice role dependent on just how quickly they pick up on things in advance? Or do you guys have sort of a, like, we do a one year internship or it's six months or 18 months or whatever that timeline might be. You bet. So ideally we want to go through the full crop cycle. We want them to experience, you know, AMS issues and product failures and customer support through every product line we carry. Um, and we realized that, um, you know, th this is a role that may get pulled in a couple to a few different directions. And so, um, ideally one year is kind of what we're after, uh, as far as no less than, I guess is what I'm trying to say with the understanding that, you know, we're, we're taking somebody from scratch mm -hmm. and, and we understand that that's probably going to take a little bit longer than what our general expectation is. So if, if it's longer than that, we're willing to throw grace on it because we realize that um, we've got somebody that uh, uh, has integrity and has a work ethic and us investing in them uh, is, you know, gonna, gonna pay out as a, as a leader for us one day and somebody that's incredibly gifted uh, within their role. And so um, we're not putting a tremendous amount of pressure on that, to be honest with you. We're putting more emphasis on, are we investing in them? And are they getting what they need out of the program? And so I, ideally, we're always going to sit down at a year and just kind of, a, you know, hey, give me the right and left of, of where you are and, and what's working and what's not working. Uh, we may um, switch it up and let them report to somebody different to get a, a, a different uh, a feel for a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, um, our, our due diligence, and we really feel like where the rubber meets the road is, is um, fast tracking the knowledge into them and letting uh, letting them experience even even minimal amounts of failure in a guarded very you know in a very safe area of hey you know this is a simple AMS issue uh, you try it right you you answer this question you've had the opportunity you answer it uh, because what will happen is is um, now that's building their confidence right and right. That, and that's going to build their confidence in that role as a, kind of a, a you know a sales apprentice and then that'll build their their confidence whenever they're in they're in sales and somebody calls Andrew and asks for that, you know, Hey, I want a price on an 8335R with a, you know, high flow pump and a whatever. And he knows, right. Uh, so it's setting up our employees where they can win uh, and setting up good people in situations where they can win. I think a lot of times that's where, you know, dealerships have great intentions uh, with, with uh, really good employees and everybody wants to hire somebody from a different industry to get a different perspective. And that's a great thing. But how much due diligence do we really give uh, to help those people understand um, kind of how things work in the culture of ag before we really start pressing them for results? 
and, and and I think that's really kind of where we are is let's make sure they're they're who we want them to be they're they're who we need to be and they're comfortable before we turn them loose but at a year we're going to catch a pulse on it and then we're going to start trying to put a timeline or trying to put a trajectory to it then okay and then how does this sort of tie into that or maybe or does it tie into the idea of mainstreaming precision throughout the dealership yeah so this is at the heart of it and so um I really feel like, a, I, I call it our mousetrap, uh, you know, because it feels like every John Deere dealer has their own little mousetrap on how they mainstream, right? You know, we, we have certified dealer instructors on a service side of things, and that, you know, John Deere has a very clean way of how to mainstream in that aspect. The problem is, is when you get over to whole goods and you start talking about how to mainstream um, knowledge into sales professionals that have been here a while, uh, or maybe um, don't have the the one or the drive to learn some of these newer products, that gets a lot more challenging. So uh, for us, this was a, this was a, a cleaner way of, of saying, hey, um, we believe these people have uh, the ability to perform on that level. Uh, we believe that they have the integrity to perform on this level as well in the work ethic. And all it's gonna take is an investment from us um, and to make sure that they're not a, a paper pusher or, or, you know, taking out the trash or, or something like that, right, or, or a nuanced style task of making coffee for everybody. Uh, but at the same time, uh, they're, they're learning from uh, the best of us, and they're, um, they're not just riding with them, but they're actually doing tasks for them. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's something that's worth hitting on, too, is, uh, is the task that, that they're performing now and, and the responsibilities that we're pushing over on them. And I get reports on um, – what they're able to do now. So I, I get a progress report of, so that way I understand that, you know, they're, they're not just filling up a passenger seat, right? Right. Uh, so, so now I can see, okay, well, they're able to do this now, they're able to do this, uh, what, you know, and then I'll press them on, when do we feel like they're going to be able to move into this task? Uh, and I don't have these conversations with, with these guys, but behind the scenes, that's what's going on with the people that are directly day-to-day -day with them. And um, a lot of that does just come from time and experience and their degree of comfort. Um, not just with, with customers, which is a huge, big interface because customers have their own lingo that they may not be a, a part of, um, but uh, it, it comes in time and, and they'll get very comfortable with it in time. We'll get back to the discussion shortly, but first a word from Trimble Agriculture. This series will feature perspectives from precision experts on a range of topics, and today we have some insights from Michael Bruno, Channel Sales Manager with Trimble, on the ROI that precision farming offers, specifically when it comes to connection services. When it comes to you know a farmer's ROI on correction services, what do you guys? How, what do you view as the you know the biggest piece of that? What are you telling both customers and dealers when it comes to kind of selling that that ROI? I think the big thing is it's pretty well understood that higher accuracy is, is going to increase the profitability on the farm. Um, Counterpoint RTX, I mean, the number that we use a lot of times is it reduces the overlap in the waste by up to 95%. And, you know, we're not necessarily unique in that, right? You can use RTK or you could use VRS um, to achieve similar improvements. But what our services do provide is, they're one of the easiest to use solutions. It's one of the easiest ways to get this sub inch or centimeter level accuracy on your farm, you know, and it, it, it doesn't really matter where the customer is located. You know, am I, am I within an RTK network? You don't need to be a very high end user to 
get this one inch, right? You don't need to understand the ins and outs of the technology. You just really have to subscribe and you start seeing the benefits uh, almost immediately. And then from, um, you know, like a, a time and resources standpoint, where, you know, where's that most seen, that ROI? Yeah, so definitely, I think on time and resources, A, time it's easy to use. It's, it's really simple to set up. So everything that the farmer needs is included in their hardware to use Trimble RTX or Centerpoint RTX in the in the one inch, uh, two, two and a half centimeter accuracy level. Um, you don't need to worry about having, um, you know, spending time setting up a base station. You don't need to worry about the support aspect of using RTK or VRS, right? That, that's outsourced to Trimble by, by subscribing. Again, it's time we, we talk about, you know, the cost of, of not having a correction. You know, if, if there's a tight planting window that you need to get in before rain comes, for example, you know, you want to make sure the correction is there and available when they need it. And that's something we really do provide. We have one of the highest uptimes in the industry. The resource side, again, it's, 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 it's that general accuracy play, right? If, if you can drive more accurate to the line, you're not double applying fertilizer, pesticides, um, you know, you're, you're shrinking your input costs by running a more accurate operation. Okay. You know, how do you guys tell dealers that they should be, or how do you work with the dealers in helping them, you know, know how to approach this conversation with their customers and kind of how to breach the subject? Yeah. So um, we provide demos for all of our services. So I think that's actually something really helpful, right? The dealer can go and they can show and prove to the customer that, our technology is providing that accuracy they need um, much easier than any other type of solution. Um, we do provide on our website like some input savings calculators. And I know some of our sales managers use more advanced like spreadsheets to walk through the dealer different types of business cases. It's really hard, right? I mean, every farm is different. So it's really hard to make like super, super broad ROI investments, like you're going to get back five times your investment. Well, you know, a guy that's farming 2000 acres is much different than someone farming 500 acres or crops and things. So we, we try to provide like those tools to the dealer to be able to have that conversation one-on-one -on -one with the customer. I, I would say that is, is, is giving them the tools to, to try to demonstrate the cost savings to the customer and to demonstrate the time savings of the ease of use. Okay. Is there anything you guys do, you know, either with talking with the dealers or even when you're out there talking with customers um, to like determine what it is, you know, because to some, I'm sure some guys that that time savings is going to be what's most critical to them. You know, other people, it might be the resources and, and cutting down on those input costs. Is there anything you guys do to kind of pinpoint what that top issue is for, you know, from customer to customer? Yeah. So I, I think that's a really kind of tough question to answer because it can be so different, right? I mean, there could be customers. I've, I've heard, uh, I'll steal one of my colleagues' stories, but he, he talks about going and, and visiting a farmer and, you know, the farmer talks about how um, he was only allowed to play baseball. Like if he rode his bike, you know, 10 miles away to go to baseball practice and stuff like that, because his parents just had so much wrapped up in the farm. Mm -hmm. And now he's still farming, but because of like precision agriculture and how much easier these solutions are to use, he can go and be the coach of his son's baseball team. Right. So there's, there's farmers that that's going to resonate with a ton. Right. Um, there's other farmers, right. That they're going to think about, you know, what else can I be doing on the farm with that time? You know, whether it's meeting with ergonomists, 
um, renegotiating a seed contract or something like that, right? If they can, you know, spend less time in the field or they can make the solution so easy to use that, you know, they can hire out those workflows and they can, you know, spend their time doing something that's a higher return. Um, That's definitely something we try to hit on. That's also surprisingly something we also talk to the dealers too, right? You know, if you've got a dealer, if you have a dealer that likes to sell RTK, but they have to staff two or three people to support it and to troubleshoot it and to help customers through it, you know, what are you spending on that, you know, technical person's time that you could be investing in another salesperson to go out and find new customers, right? So it really, it opens up a lot of uh, possibilities to anybody that's using the services um, to reuse that time. Okay. How much of an issue is, um, you know, like we hear a lot about about the need for more rural broadband and, and that um, how that limits a lot of a lot of stuff for uh, to some extent on the precision side. Um, how does yep. that all play into what what you guys are offering, or how you know how do you have to kind of contend with that? Yeah. So um, actually, what's pretty awesome about our services. Um, they're delivered to the tractor either over a satellite link. That's the basically the same type of um, frequencies that the actual GNSS or GPS satellites send the signals over. Um, so the receiver can directly receive it. And basically anywhere that you can get GPS, you can get the signal. Okay. We also do deliver certain um, products over an IP connection over a cell phone. So if a farmer is invested in like telematics or something like that and has modems and connectivity where he's working, um, we do do that. So really, really flexible, but we don't really require an internet connection, you know, to work. That's where I think this big um, satellite-based services have been around for a while, right? I think a lot of people are familiar with Omnistar. That's right. kind of one of the big brands. And that that is a Trimble brand um, service, but um, what you couldn't get with satellite services for the longest time was that sub inch um, level accuracy, right? You used to have to use the radio RTK base station or you used to have to have cell phone service to be able to get on VRS. Mm-hmm. And, and by advancing the technology and, and using so many more satellites, better models, things like that, we can provide that same accuracy level to way more customers because it just eliminates that huge connectivity barrier. Okay. So is it just, it's just an advancement in that technology that we're now, however many years past that or, or whatever that it's changed or what, you know, what's making this different then? Yeah. So then um, Omnistar, I guess. Yeah. So Trimble, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Trimble outside of agriculture, but it's definitely a technology company, but it's, it's been chasing, um, I would say positioning is one of its core strengths. So, R&D team has been working for decades now, really, to bring RTX to this accuracy level. And it's, like I said, it's just a lot of it is better algorithms, right? As time goes on, Omnistar was built on some, you know, the best understanding at the time and and, and the way to do satellite corrections. And, and we just, you know, spent significant investment in how to, how to provide these calculations in a more accurate manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of it also is, and it's really important that customers, I think, do stay on the kind of cutting edge of hardware. In the past, most farmers relied on GPS only or maybe GPS and GLONASS. But now the leading Trimble receivers support 
the majority of the constellations from all the, or, sorry, satellite constellations from all these other GPS-like technologies. So okay. we support the Galileo European system. Um, we support Beidou, which is the Chinese satellite system. So they're all kind of the same, but they bring different strengths and weaknesses. And so the more of those systems, the, the correction and the receiver can use, the better the performance uh, is in the field. It's a little bit of a two, a two-pronged answer, right? It's obviously we're working and investing on making our algorithms better, but just the GNSS technology in itself is, is evolving and there's more available to us than 10 years ago. How often is this the type of, you know, hardware and equipment that um, a farmer should be updating? So, you know, I would say when Trimble releases new technology, it, it's a pretty safe bet that that's when they should start migrating. You know, it's not something that happens every year. Uh, I, I, I can't quote exact times and product right. life cycles. I just don't have it in front of me. But right, I mean, it, it's kind of this like five-year Okay. If I put it in broad terms, I would say maybe every five years, there's pretty big jumps in advancement, right? We launched what I guess maybe 10 years ago, we had things like the Easy Guide 500 and the FMD displays. And then we released like the CFX and the FMX plus or minus five years after that. And then five years or so after those receivers were launched, we started releasing the new GFX 750 and NAV 900 platforms. So that's probably a pretty good timeline. Benchmark of when, so pretty much as, right. as things are introduced, it's likely time to, to update. Right. Okay. And it's not just, you know, and to talk a little bit outside of corrections, right? It's, it's not just the performance of the actual steering and, and driving on an AB line really, really consistently. The UI like the difference between using an Easy Guide 500, a CFX, and a GFX 750, I mean, it's huge leaps in usability and, and workflow and, and things like that. Okay. It's yeah. going to continue to make the job easier. Exactly. Kind of going back to the, the ROI part of it, is that, should ROI be what a dealer leads with in trying to sell this? Or is it just a, you know, is that a later piece of the conversation where, how should that part of it fall in yeah. their conversation with I, customers? Yeah, I think ROI, I'll always talk about ROI and ease of use, right? And I think the ROI is important to explain why you need higher accuracy, right? Why you should upgrade from WAS or RangePoint, like these lower accuracy types of products to CenterPoint or, or VRS Now. Um, because, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a, of a misconception out there that, oh, I'm doing wheat. Uh, I don't need to be accurate to the inch, right? Because it's, it's you know, a, a broader application, but there are real dollars and cents being lost by not using high accuracy. And then it just comes down to, okay, I can benefit a lot from the high accuracy. What does it take for me to get into it? And RTX is really cost effective and really easy to use, right? So then you can kind of go in and say, this is why you need it. And this is why it's, 100% available to you, um, you know, and you can use it today. Let's get back to the program and hear more from Carl, Andrew, and Connor about what the internship program has taught them and how it's helping Hudson Inc. What do you guys think is the, you know, the most surprising or just biggest thing you've learned so far in your time at Hudson, whether that's about the dealership and the job or just agriculture in general? I could probably say, how advanced 
this stuff actually is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just something you just hop on and you hit a, you turn it on, you're you're going to work. I mean, there is so many different inputs that go into making these machines run like they're supposed to. And what's I, I'm I was just blown off my feet and how they professional and how experienced how much knowledge that everybody at Hudson has about these pieces of machinery and you know I think that that's a really good or a really good point that Carl pointed out is like having us go out and you know kind of answer questions on ourselves because you know I've, I've heard Gabe talk about it a little bit um, and now it's kind of my turn to take it over and it's there's just a lot to learn but they're very patient I'm I'm thankful to have a very patient supervisor in Carl and in Gabe. Um, and they're very encouraging to go out and kind of do it myself. And in previous positions that I've held at other companies, it's, it hadn't been that, you know, they, they're like, all right, you just need to do this. And that's about it. And this, it's like, you can move from step to step and progress as a person. And that'll give you more confidence, like Carl said. So that's, those are the main things that I've noticed is like how professionalized, everybody here is and how much product knowledge they have. Yeah, I guess for me, the biggest surprise is just how advanced all the technology is in the agriculture world. And just the, I guess the, the specifications of the technology. So an example, uh, I guess exact apply sprayers, just how they're basically, you know, every drop counts, um, just how precise they are and how much technology is ridiculously advanced in, in the agriculture world. I was a helicopter mechanic before this, um, and those things seem ancient compared to the tractors we're driving around today. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I guess just to piggyback off of Connor, just being able to be independent, you know. Um, I had never driven a tractor before this position, and I think probably my first week here, uh, John took me, and we were working on a sprayer, fixed it, and we had to drive it back to the shop. and. He just told me, hey, get in the driver's seat and drive this half-million-dollar sprayer back to the shop. <laughs> so it's kind of inti- intimidating, but uh, that's really the easiest way to learn. I mean, every task, you could tell me how to do a task or, you know, show me a video on how to do it, but until you really get out there and do it, um, you don't know how to do it. <laughs> um, so I've been learning, learning lots just from being thrown into the fire and being able to uh, be trusted to – work on something. Um, so it's a big advantage, I think. I think that kind of segues back to your question on mainstreaming, right? We're just kind of, you know, we're, we're putting them through the fire right now, you know, and we're mainstreaming them in. So that way, when they'll drop into the sales world, they'll be some of the most advanced salesmen we've got as okay. far as their product knowledge. So, so, you know, Andrew, Connor, anyone else you guys have going through this program, they may stay within precision they may become a salesperson they may go somewhere else it's yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely give them the option and um ideally we'd love to see them drop into the sales world Uh, we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there but the program is definitely designed to to give them all the knowledge and the tools and the resources they need to make them some of the most effective you know john deere professional salesmen out there and then how much andrew and connor you know in your day-to-day interactions how much of what you guys are doing is you know just kind of observing the the person you're working with and how much of it is them you know showing you how to do something or you doing it and them observing you and kind of helping you along the way i'd say the first time we go and 
you know, uh, put something on a piece of equipment or, you know, it's a problem that I have not seen before. I'll sit there and watch for the most part. Then the second time I'll hop in the driver's seat and, you know, kind of, I'll say, this is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. And I kind of walk through it myself. And if I do mess up, he'll be like, nope, that's not it. And then I'll sit there for a second and kind of tap around and then finally, well, there you go and take it from there. And then I'd say about the third time through, um, I get handed a bunch of boxes and say, all right, you got to go do this, this farm. I'm like, okay, call me if you need me. Okay. So, it, and, and that's very, it's fun because, you know, the first time you go out and you meet the farmer, um, you know, for example, with Gabe, and then the second time you get to meet him a little bit better. And then the third time you're on your own, you're out there just cutting up with them, you know, and you're helping them out as well. So they thank you being there and it's quite fun to go out and do it on your own. Yeah. I think uh, definitely if it's, if it's the first task or, you know, the first meeting of a customer um, that I haven't met before, it's kind of more of a observation role. I'm, I'm sure, you know, if I was a customer and I saw someone I've never seen before driving my tractor down the road or something <laughs> like that, I'd be, I'd be a little weary. Um, but I think really after, you know, the first meeting or the, the first time we've done something, it's kind of trying to be as, as um, independent as you can now. Um, I do a lot of, you know, uh, our Green Star setups. I pretty much handle them all. Um, MTGs that we're switching out. Um, I just did the first one today, so I think it's expected that from now on it's kind of kind of my role. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they kind of, you know, follow the old saying, um, watch one, do one, teach one. So I think after the, the first observation, it's it's go time. You know, overall, if, if, if these, you know, guys end up on the, uh, in the world of aftermarket, if they end up in the world of, you know, sales or whole goods and any other aspect, uh, it's a win for us. And what, what he was saying about a, a Green Star setup, that's a quality check before it goes to a customer. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so for him to already have the product knowledge to be able to say, all the sensors are calibrated uh, and this will hold a rate or this will do whatever before it goes to a customer, that's getting there. That's getting there. Uh, so and especially just to be here, you know, uh, no longer than a month or, or so long. So, you know, uh, to be here in this program a year, you know, you're, you're going to be on it pretty good. Right. And then how, so Carl, is this a program, like, did you come up with this, the program? Did it, you know, was it a wider Hudson initiative? Kind of how did, where did it come from? I think we've always um, pursued interns um, in some capacity. Uh, everybody needs interns, right? <laughs> That's just kind of, you know, uh, you just kind of feel like you need an intern, but it's really what you do with interns uh, mm -hmm. that we really have always just kind of struggled with, you know, um, how do we leverage them in the business to where they can kind of show us their ability to learn, uh, absorb knowledge, and, and then also be able to showcase their skills, right? And so ultimately what it kind of came down to is just an understanding that if we ran across uh, young professionals that um, had an ability to speak to customers, um, had an ability to uh, be presentable and, and, uh, and, you know, seem like they had the integrity and the traits that we want to represent of, you know, just excellence in the field that uh, we would invest in them no different than any other investment in the stock market or anything else. And, and we're just going to invest and pour into them as hard as we can uh, for, a, for a period of time and really uh, press on them to learn um, and then just give them the opportunity to become uh, professionals within our organization. So 
um, I don't know. I don't know how it came about in Hudson, to be honest with you. Um, I hate to, I mean, I don't really know. It just seemed like it was kind of, there was a problem and it was more or less just something we realized that, uh, look, we, we weren't always great at, at interns, you know, uh, internships. Uh, we struggled with that aspect like a lot of deer dealerships do, or any dealership does, it's fair to say. Um, it, it usually ends up being somebody that's doing low-level tasks and has to go back and report to college that they took the trash out for the whole year, right? right. Um, so uh, we really wanted to focus on um, the understanding that we're not going to find salespeople that know our programs. And, and we're not going to find salespeople that from this point forward know any more about John Deere than it's green, you know, and it rolls or something like that, uh, something very basic. And so how do I take something so complex and, and put it into a sales professional that can offer at least the base minimal baseline support to a customer that they're selling or that when they're in front of a customer, they feel like, um, although this person comes from no ag background, and I don't know their ag family, um, and, and they weren't raised right down the road from me, uh, that they speak the language, they know the product, and, and they know um, uh, they can solve my issues over the phone. Uh, that's the next generation that we've got to kind of create, especially in the world of support. Um, you know, when you look at um, uh, you know, any other technology style company, if you look at how Apple disperses their products through the market, right? Uh, when you walk into a Verizon store, about anybody there can work on an Apple product. Uh, they don't have their Android people, their Apple people, their, you know, it's not segmented like that. And so likewise, we can't be segmented like that as well. So if, if these uh, young men decide to go and, you know, whichever side of the business, I really don't care. Uh, what matters to me more is that um, as, as we redefine ourselves as a technology company, that there is a base level qualification to our employees and support that our customers can type can try to understand that comes from Hudson. And that yeah. reinventing is maybe not the right word, but evolving into that technology company and being able to say we're a technology company probably helps in recruiting some of those non-ag background people. No, I, I think you're 100% right. And, and let me be totally honest with you. Um, I, I really hope that's what this article kind of attracts is is people that uh, are from other entities, whether it's from, you know, Andrew and, and, and medical or, uh, I mean, Connor, he, you know, he worked in uh, printing and, and stuff like that and office supplies and all kinds of things like that before this role. Um, what, what my hope is, is it doesn't matter the industry that they're in, that they realize that uh, we're willing to invest in them as long as they have the key attributes and the key, you know, um, you know, just core values that we line up with as an organization. We'll get you the rest of the way. Uh, and, and I think that's really what matters. Mm -hmm. Good people are hard to find. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta really invest in them when you have them and, and create them. Uh, put depth in them and develop your people. And, and I think that's what we're, that's what we're trying to be. I'm not saying we, we have a hundred percent figured out, but I'm saying that we're, we're ever vigilant to become better and better at investing and putting depth in our people. Well, and I really believe that's the path to success. Plenty of people say that, you know, hire for culture, and you can teach them the, the rest. It sounds like you guys are really, so you've hired for culture, but you're really putting the effort into teaching them the rest and getting them up to speed and learning the industry and, and the product. We're trying. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're trying. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, it's, uh, I hope it's encouraging uh, because I think they might be surprised what they find that, uh, at, you know, ag is the new technology. It's the new technology field. 
Uh, so there might be people that were interested in medical or science or whatever, but when they find out the amount of, uh, of technology and, and just uh, agronomy and science that goes into setting these machines uh, and making them work, it's really pretty fascinating. And, and I think a lot of people, the more you know, uh, the more empowered you feel with this. And um, it's, um, it's, it's a fascinating field. And once you feel like you have the answer, uh, it just makes you want to learn even more. Is that right, fellas? That's 100% <laughs> correct. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Carl Huebner, Andrew McAllister, and Connor Smith for sharing some details about how Hudson has set up its internship program to grow both the dealership and the individuals they hire. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at kschmidt@lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2431. You can also keep up on the latest precision practices impacting your dealership today by registering online at precisionfarmingdealer.com for our free PFD daily e-newsletter. I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2021 podcast series. For Carl, Andrew, and Connor, as well as Trimble Agriculture and our entire staff here at Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.